You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Not too bad. And uh, yourself? Good. We've had a good week here at the Late Fee. We've been cloistered inside uh, due to coronavirus. Uh, we can't go anywhere. Our kids are here. It's uh, it's like The Shining. Yeah, I've, I've not been doing a great job of staying inside. I mean, I went out yesterday and got some items, but I mean, I do. I've always, I'm always, uh, you know, prudent hand washer. Um, mm-hmm. I hate in general being around sick people. Like, you know, I don't understand when people in general go out sick in public. I mean, I guess you have to, like, to the grocery store, but you don't really need to be at the mall if you're sick and sneezing and you know, dripping fluids everywhere. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I don't want to get it and give it to someone who's part of a population that reacts especially bad to it and i am glad that people are finally taking disease seriously i mean you know i wouldn't be shocked if down the line a more serious more you know equally contagious disease comes and this would be good practice for that at the very least yeah exactly what did t.s Eliot say this is uh the way the world ends not with a bang but with a whimper something like that yeah. and then he uh, proposed in front of jaws yeah exactly <laughs> uh so uh, IMDb game. I've got a uh, film here uh, for you to guess. Uh, there's not a ton of clues here, and I'm not entirely sure you've seen this movie, but I think you've seen this movie, and I know you're at least aware of this movie's existence. Fair enough. So under sex and nudity, uh, a nude male corpse is shown some blood. Insomnia. It's very sexy. Uh, no, not insomnia. Uh, let's see. Let's go with profanity. Uh, at least seven F words in the first hour. <laughs> None used with quote mother. A few mild u- uses like shit and son of a bitch. Robocop. No. So this person went through the first hour and then was like, no, I'm not counting this anymore. Let's see, drugs, alcohol, and smoking. Tranquilizers and other hospital drugs are used. What is a hospital drug? Huh. Operation Dumbo Drop. No, you're getting closer, though. Uh, oh. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to do violence and gore, because I think both frightening and intense scenes probably... <laughs> I could I could just read this one because it only makes sense with the ones before it, but uh, uh, let's see. We You see a brief re- reflection of someone being cut open post-mortem in a doctor's helmet visor. Dr. Giggles? No. <laughs> uh, you see partial blood on someone when they spill infle- infected blood on themselves. 28 days later... No. Uh, let's see. A helicopter shoots at civilians in attempting to escape in vehicles. Resident. Was it one of the Resident Evil movies? No. Uh, infected people are bombed, and you see an explosion. Um, 
is this like as I assume it's a zombie movie, like probably Night of Living Dead or something like that? No. This is the one that I could have just read and it makes no sense without anything else. Another bomb is dropped. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I don't think, is this World War Z? No, this should give it to you. A monkey is tranquilized. Is this one of the Planet of the Apes movies? No. Uh, let's see. Okay, so let me, I'll do the uh, frightening instances. Uh, is this uh, Army of 12 Monkeys? No. Uh, what's that? Is that what the movie's been called? No, it's just called 12 Monkeys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way the diseased people look is quite nasty. In the final phases of the virus, you see bleeding through the eyes. I'm not sure I've seen this movie, Mark. Uh, one more. Helicopter chase scene. A person jumps from a helicopter in flight. A child moves in the line of fire of a tranquilizer dart. A bomber and a helicopter play chicken. I, I don't think I know what this is. Okay, I'll give you one more hint uh, before I'm going to have to give it to you. Uh, so, like I said, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but I know you're aware of it because they parody it uh, in an episode of Clerks the Animated Series. Huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's uh, the one where Brian Cranston stars as the bomber pilot and uh, says... It's okay, Dante. You know, I know it's hard to not be gay. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no clue. It's Outbreak. Okay, yeah, I think I, I think I did see that movie, but I don't remember it well at all, obviously. Oh, Outbreak. Prescient for uh, our time, although um, unlike Motaba, this uh, coronavirus is not uh, a hemorrhagic disease. Yeah, that would suck. Plug, make sure you tell the papers that it, that it was uh, Motaba. It is Motaba, sir. That's right, Motaba, and nothing else. Fair enough. That was the episode where uh, he says, he says, if any of my parts or circuits could uh, help, I'll gladly donate them. Parts or circuits? Are you a robot? No, it's just an expression. New program, Kill the Human Randall. Uh-oh. Yeah, the one I picked, I didn't realize it was this uh, sexually oriented, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Here's one of the more mild clues. Breasts are fond- being fondled through shirt. Hmm. Uh, bachelor party. No. Okay. Stepbrother and sister kiss passionately. References made to incest and anal sex. Holy shit. Uh, Euro trip? No. Okay. Oh, they're not uh, step. I think they're actual brother and sister. Yeah, they're actual brother and sister in that oh, one. God. A girl girl instructs another girl to quote unquote post on a horse up and down and back and forth until she has an implied orgasm. She says breathlessly, Now I know why girls love horses. Holy shit, I know this movie. I I I recognize that scene. What movie is that from? Uh uh Oh, uh Cruel Intentions? Almost. Cruel Intentions too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we kept uh, mentioning it, so I thought I should do it before you did. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, Cruel Intentions too. What a shitty movie. But it makes way more sense than uh, Showgirls too, or as you would say, Striptease too. That's true. Yes. I I bet they made a Striptease too. 
I didn't, I didn't see the uh, original striptease. Um, I'm assuming that uh, Demi Moore had shaved off her giant bush at that point. I would hope so. Although I think it'd be pretty brave if she hadn't. Yeah. Like this thing like goes up her stomach quite a bit. Yeah, it's I. Is she Italian? I don't understand what's going on. I don't know how it could grow that long. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like she. It looks like she spilled uh, Ron Popisha uh, <laughs> formula in her hair or whatever. That uh, you know, the stuff that's supposed to make your Rogaine. Uh, yeah, Rogaine. There you go. Ron Papisha sounds like a uh, football player from the fifties. <laughs> Ron Papisha with a sack. Not that we count those as a statistic category yet. Right. So uh, I've got a little bit of news today before we kind of. Uh, uh, oh, you got another game too, right? Uh, let me let me read a couple pieces of news before we we get into. Uh, Do we have any news. of this mail you've been talking up as well? Oh yeah, I can pull some of that. I didn't actually pull any of it up, but I can pull some of that up. Uh, I'll do that in a minute. Um, so, uh, Lorenzo Brino, uh, as it says, seventh heaven star, uh, died. I guess uh, earlier, or late last night, or in the early morning hours, uh, at twenty one, not of the coronavirus, but uh, he lost control of his Toyota Camry. <laughs> And struck a pole. First of all, uh, you know, you're driving a Camry, man. I mean, that's not exactly. Maybe maybe he's just sensible with his money. Not exactly like Paul Walker, you know. Uh, But here's the thing. So Lorenzo Brino was one of the babies, I guess. Yeah, that was my guess if he's 21. That show's been off the air for, for some time. So I know that people want to be nice when somebody dies, and and you know you should be, but it's but. <laughs> it's the headline is Lorenzo Brino seventh heaven star dies at twenty one star. Eh, I don't think so. I think also though you know as well as I do that anybody even like tangentially involved in any TV show or movie they'll say star just so people will look at it like. Especially on like Yahoo.com, it's like star of you know the A team, and it's like it's like maybe like that Frankie Santana guy or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just I think that's I think that's you're right. I think that's them trying to get clicks. I, that's you know I don't think I don't like that, but um, you know he uh, tragic obviously. I don't know. They don't know if any uh, alcohol or drugs or anything was uh, you know. Um, involved but i guess he was one of four uh so you know their parents Jesus, their parents got, their parents got three more oh geez i thought you meant four people like in the crash no no he was he was a, a quad tr- a quad triplet quad Damn, triplet. They, were, they were making some bankrupting those kids out to hollywood huh absolutely so uh yeah McK- have you seen Mackenzie rossman recently I don't even know who that is. Uh, I wouldn't have either, but it's the one that uh, played Ruthie, the youngest. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I do. I, I did watch that show for some reason. I don't understand why, but I did watch it. It's because uh, some uh, young lady I was trying to put it to uh, was really into it. Yeah, probably. She's. I mean, why, why the fuck else would I be watching this Evan? <laughs> she's kind of cute, and she's thirty, but Jeez. she but she looks like. She looks like she's like 20 still or like 19. You know, like she looks very young, but she's 30 years old. It's crazy. Huh. 
That's uh, weird. Yeah, good genes. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's them. Now, as far as like the coronavirus goes, obviously that's what everybody's talking about. Several movies have been have been postponed. Uh, if you want to avoid crowds and and practice some social distancing, um, you can see uh, Bloodshot. That's one of the movies. That's- <laughs> <laughs> if you want to quarantine yourself for an hour and a half, yeah, that's that's one of the ones that's still out there. But they uh, <laughs> the new the new Bond movie and uh, several other uh, you know movies have been postponed, and the uh, the fall is uh, shaping up to be a really packed uh, movie uh, movie time, uh, and the yeah. other the other big piece of news that most people i'm sure have heard of at this point is that tom hanks and uh wilson not the volleyball but uh rita wilson his wife have have um the uh the coronavirus there in australia and they've been uh quarantined can i say uh at the end by risk i mean absolute confirmation of being sexist uh that uh, tom hanks uh, wife rita wilson looks very good for her age oh absolutely like wow yeah, she's. I think she's sixty or something like that. Sixty three, I think. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, she definitely looks really good for uh, for. I mean, she looks good just kind of in general. But yeah, uh, another another person with really good genes. Do you think in the future we'll know Tom Hanks only as the father of Chet Hanks? <laughs> That's possible. You know what's funny? Tom in- Hanks. Oh, you mean Chet Hanks' dad? <laughs> You know what's funny is that I've because of the, all this stuff coming up with coronavirus, for some reason, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, uh, people think that Tom Hanks is a pedophile. What? Yeah, it's it like people are like give pour, pouring out their support on on Twitter and everything, and then there are some people saying like, "Oh yeah, Tom Hanks is a pedo or whatever." Like uh, that pedo should get coronavirus or 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 whatever. I don't know, but um, I was like, "Oh, what the fuck is going is on?" Is that like a PizzaGate thing or something? Yeah, it is. So I took kind of not a. I took a medium dive, not a deep dive into this because I wanted to know what the fuck they were talking about. So it's another one of those QAnon things from 4chan or 8chan or whatever the fuck it is. Um, And apparently... Jackie Chan. Yeah. Apparently when people announce they have coronavirus or whatever, I guess it's like code that they're about to get arrested uh, for, um, you know, pedophile things or something. I mean, I've... There's no proof of that, obviously, but this person, I guess, and I'm trying to find her name now, uh, she accused uh, Sarah Ruth Ashcraft is a, a, a hashtag on Twitter. It's not really trending or anything, but there are people that are using it, uh, and apparently someone going by the name Sarah Ashcraft, at Sarah Ashcraft on Twitter decided to post a picture of herself saying, this is me at 13, the age I was when at Tom Hanks purchased me for my father for sex as a uh, dissociated mind control doll. I wonder how uh, did Tom Hanks retweet it? (laughs) It'd be awesome. He did. I don't think so. I wonder how much he paid. I wonder how much money my father made for breaking my mind and selling my child body throughout my life. 
will I ever get to know? That's all you want to know is how much money, how much was I worth? And she's more concerned about the money he's lost. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so there are a lot of people that are, well, not, I mean, not a lot, I guess relative to, um, to a lot, but there, there are more people than you would think that are t- tweeting about this. And what I think is funny is I'm going through all these hashtags and it's like, uh, QA, QA mom. <laughs> Q a non, I think. But but this is Q a mom. So I guess it's a mom that's uh Oh no. That's one of the <laughs> Q anon people. But anyway, she posted something and then uh Lose for Leferenti, I don't know, also uh d- d- tweeted something. It's like a hockey thing. Like they're trying to lo- I mean I don't know that's gonna play out, but it's like a hockey prospect. Yeah. And then the next one down is a, a commercial for Jif peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny in between all these things. So it is just like, and get some GIF too. But uh, so apparently, uh, project for a rad American century is <laughs> uh, one of these QAnon things. And this is what the person who claims to be Q is saying. It's just, it's just a, a list of people who are supposed to be pedophiles, and then like weird like stream of consciousness uh sentences bigger system of control at play stephen colbert john podesta read the body language look into the eyes twitter youtube facebook are suppressing him people have given away their power they need to wake up mainstream media what the fuck new york times lied all they did was lie redeem yourself and come clean indictments are are in just admit it and help out one Obama, 100% compromised. <laughs> Obama, Wendy. I don't like Obama, like in a Wendy's commercial. I don't understand. I don't know. Jimmy Kimmel compromised. <laughs> well, no, we've lost. We <laughs> America has truly lost its soul. If Jimmy Kimmel is compromised. I don't know. Kevin Spacey, everyone in Hollywood knew about Kevin Spacey, everyone, but literally nothing happened for how long, question mark. And it's like, this is, I'll tell you, if you're a Q person that listens to this show, uh, kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, just just stop listening to the show. Like, I was telling my friend Matt uh, the other day, um, like, we, we used to give out, like, our Twitter info and that kind of stuff, but, I mean, if you can't figure that out yourself, then are we are you really the kind of person we want listening to our show? We're, yeah. we're, we're fine. We want quality, not quantity. Correct. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, oh, my God. This this coronavirus thing is the worst because, I mean, yeah, obviously the virus itself is bad, but just, like, the sheer ignorance, just, like, mm-hmm. you know, shoveling onto, like, my Facebook feed. Like, anything I click on, like, oh, yeah, well, the government's doing this to try and, you know – make us get this idea. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, people, ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, I've seen so many people like for the first time in maybe ever, uh, Dean Koontz is in the news. <laughs> people are like, you know, like this book, he, he, like, he had a book that mentioned a, a virus created near Wuhan. So everyone's like, Oh look, it's, I mean, okay. Yeah. Steven. Oh my God. This guy wrote a book about a bombing, uh, in New York city 20 years ago. <laughs> it was like a problem. Right. Uh, Wuhan, yeah, a, uh, a an area of China where there's a ton of people all living in close proximity there. And Dean Koontz was like, "Hey, what if a disease started there? You know, in in the type of place where every disease ever has started." 
Uh, did you see um, Norm McDonald, uh, who follows us on Twitter, just so everyone knows, Norm McDonald. Does he really? Us, yeah, he follows us on Twitter. Oh, nice. I knew he uh, made those very nice comments, uh, but I didn't know that he actually followed us. Yeah, he followed us when after he made those comments, and he continues to follow us today. He has 1.1 million followers, and he's following about 700 people, and we're one of them. So, Wow, that's that, that's impressive. I'm just saying. But uh, anyway, I don't know if you saw, but he uh, <laughs> he says... Uh, that he's made his last stand-up appearance. Uh, it's uh, you know, don't don't worry any any Norm Macdonald fans out there. It's it's not a, it's not true. I'm sure, but he says it's morally wrong for me to do stand-up and cause strangers to possibly become sick. And now with this virus, it seems even more wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm postponing my next two gigs, but I'm hopeful a vaccine comes that protects us all from Tom Hanks' disease. Uh, which is what, what he names the coronavirus. But then he he posted some uh, clips of of his stand up uh, on YouTube and linked them on on his Twitter account, which were very funny. Uh, obviously, because it's Norm. But he was uh, you know he, he was saying, you know, oh you know it's so it's weird. Um, you know, we all know how we're gonna die now. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, I could just stand up here and uh, cough, you know, start coughing, and it's like you know, shooting you with a nine millimeter or something. And he he was like, you know, he said something like, uh, you know, but you know, you guys came out. I think it was a great, uh, you know, a great decision to come out and sit next to strangers. (laughs) He's like, at least I'm up here. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so if you, if you've got a chance, uh, go to Norm McDonald's, uh, Twitter page and, uh, and check it out. It's, uh, it's very funny. Speaking of uh, pedophiles, did you hear that um, Corey Feldman formally accused uh, publicly uh, Charlie Sheen of um, raping uh, Corey Haim? Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, yeah there was talk uh, about this movie that he uh, was he released on Tuesday uh, uh, last week. So what? I don't know what Tuesday the ninth or tenth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. A t- is uh, Wednesday was three eleven, which we all celebrated by listening to three eleven all day. Obviously, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it was. Uh, so so I actually, you know, heard like uh, on Facebook or something. But yeah, it, people kind of suspected that he was talking about Charlie Sheen this whole time. Mm-hmm. I had like read, I had gone out like a Reddit like rabbit hole, like where people were accusing like the Hollywood like pedophiles. You know, when the Brian Singer stuff came out, and a lot of people were saying, you know, Charlie Sheen during the movie Lucas specifically, which is what he was describing. But obviously, Charlie Sheen denied it. I mean, who wouldn't deny that? Because right. I think Charlie. Sheen- 19 at the time, and I think Corey Haim was like 13 or 14, maybe even 12. Wow. And he, according to according to what they said, the quote was, he's like, this is just what guys do. Wow. Okay. That's weird because for like the whole time I was thinking, yeah, I don't know if I believe it, you know, because with Kevin Spacey, there were, uh, you know, there were rumors before there was rumors that he was gay for a long time. There were rumors about uh, maybe him being inappropriate with uh, younger people uh, as well, um, you know, and, and everything. And I've never really, you know, Charlie Sheen obviously uh, likes sex a lot, but with women is what I've always heard. You know, the Heidi Fleiss thing, uh, you know, having uh, prostitutes and porn actresses come to his house to have sex with him and everything. And I've never heard about anything with him with a boy. So I was thinking, like, I don't know, it doesn't really sound that credible to me but then uh you know you say that that's what he said and i can absolutely hear charlie sheen saying that all right so maybe it is true charlie sheen who took steroids for a major league 
you know, when he's playing a fictional pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, uh, we haven't talked about AIDS, you know, since the last show, but I mean, you know, Charlie Sheen is HIV positive and supposedly, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but they say it's very hard to transmit through heterosexual contact. That is, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that as well. Not impossible, but... Uh, oh, no, definitely not impossible. But, but definitely much easier through homosexual sex just because of the, the uh, logistics of it. Um, you know, I, I heard a little bit about the documentary, but I didn't really look into it. Uh, you know, his documentary is called My Truth, colon, The Rape of Two Corys. Oh, no. <laughs> That's fucking awful. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, like, yeah, everyone called them the two Corys in the 80s. Like, it's t- it's a terrible, if it happened, um, it's a terrible tragedy. But to call your movie the rape of two Corys. Oh, no one workshopped that title with him. I, I'm sure he did it all himself. Oh, holy shit. When he's not doing his music that has weird spellings for everything. Yeah. And, you know, he's a big, like, he loved Michael Jackson and, and all that stuff. Uh, Corey Feldman. Until he didn't. Yeah. So it's, the whole thing is weird. Would it? Corey Feldman just seems very opportunistic. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, he and I think he, they both say, or at least he says they were both, like, you know, molested by older men in Hollywood, you know, during their, you know, upcoming. Would that surprise me if if they were, you know, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but yeah, it's, wow. And I don't know why I even say he seems untrustworthy because I, I mean, for all I know, he hasn't like just, you know, made shit up or anything like that. Right. He seems attention seeking for sure because any little thing he does, he tries to get as much promotion out of it as possible, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he's being untruthful. You know, it's just weird. I don't know. It just seems hard. I guess it seems hard. I'd like to think it would be hard to believe. Mm, yeah. Here's the here's the quote from Corey Feldman. Uh, according to him, this is what Corey Haim said to him. Uh, Charlie bent me over in between two trailers and put Crisco oil on my butt and raped me in broad daylight. Anybody could have walked by. Anybody could have seen it. Hmm. Yeah. Haim was 13 and Sheen was 19 when they worked together on Lucas. That's the uh, the movie. So yeah, that's uh, Corey Feldman has long cited that movie as the movie where um, you know uh, Corey Haim said he had been raped. Huh. Apparently, according several other people featured in the documentary, also claim that either Haim directly told them that he had been abused by Sheen as a child, or they had heard word of it from others years later. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. Again, with Charlie Sheen, I mean, yeah, he likes drugs and, like, you know, sex, but lots of people do. That doesn't make him a bad person, necessarily. I don't know that. I mean, people will think, oh, this guy uses cocaine, so he's, like, an awful person, which doesn't make any sense, you know? Right. I mean, you know, people use Vicodin, and that doesn't make them bad people. I mean, I think drug abuse does sometimes make it so that you have to go through desperate measures to get more of the drug. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just because you use certain drugs doesn't mean you're a bad person, but, I mean... I mean, obviously, Charlie Sheen leaves, like, a, a fast life, you know, loosely with, like, you know, sex and drugs and uh, who knows what else. But, I mean, that doesn't mean he's a raper. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said, I mean. And, and Corey Haim's not here to defend himself or, you know, to be, uh, you know, defended by Charlie Sheen against either. So Right. 
Yeah, it's an interesting situation. I guess we'll have to see. I, I don't know what could come from this because it's not like Corey Feldman. The police, as far as I know, aren't looking into this or anything. There's nothing. Yeah, he, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since since the victim's no longer alive, I mean, I know with murder, obviously, that would be, you know, they'd still keep going after it. But I mean, right. with so much being relying on witness testimony, I mean, all you it's all, it's all hearsay, every single bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I mean, I guess technically, if you were directly told by Corey, hey, it's not. But again, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that. Weird. Uh, comedian? What? Okay. They call Charlie Sheen a comedian. Comedian Charlie also fiercely denied the claims when they first surfaced in 2017. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I call him a comedian. Although they say uh, this is how Corey Feldman is billed. The Goonies star. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, always, I feel that he's a good actor in everything I've seen him in. Even in, like, I think he was in, like, Bordello of Blood or something like that. He's yeah. not a bad actor. No, he's not. And I, and I think he, both the two Corys uh, did, did, like, a sequel to um, Lost Boys. Like, you know, not... Like very long ago, obviously before Corhaim died, I think it was called like the Frog Brothers or something like that. Oh, okay. I thought it was called Found Boys. Yeah, I don't know. I guess they really were lost boys in a way. Yeah, exactly. The rape of the two Corys. I don't think Corey Feldman is can, is is saying that he got raped. So it's really maybe the, he is. It's really maybe he just wasn't raped by a very famous person, right? I was raped by a non-celebrity. That's even worse. Um, In a way, it is. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's all bad. All right. So you said you've got a game for me. Uh, give me the game, and I will uh, I'll dig up some letters here, and then we can talk about uh, some stuff people can binge watch and Better Call Saul and all that stuff. All right. This one, I didn't tell you what it was ahead of time because I uh, I didn't want to give you any chance to think about it. Okay. Because, uh, you know, you if you thought about it, it would, you might be able to live this out ahead of time mm-hmm. this one's called english or australian my wife helped me uh, come up with this one mm-hmm. english or australian okay i like it a smooth criminal ready Did I do something to mess you up? I, know. I hear you now. Oh, okay. All right. So uh, my wife helped me come up with this. We're going to do this rapid fire. Are you ready, Mark, for English or Australian? Yes, I am. All right. Uh, Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy is English. Yes. Eric Bana. Eric Bana is Australian. Kate Beckinsale. Uh, I think she's English. You're correct, Kate Blanchett. She's also English? Nope, Australian. Margot Robbie. She's Australian, I know that. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant is English. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's Australian. Nicole Kidman. She's Australian. Born in America, you're wrong, you lose. Uh. (laughs) She was born in uh, Hawaii while her parents were instructors there. I just discovered like 10 minutes ago. Oh, okay. 
that's all I have. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I need to make a list ahead of time. Is what I really need to do for these. That's okay. But you, but you lost. All right. Well, yeah. I I, I failed to, uh, to <laughs> failed to recognize that Nicole Kidman is technically dual citizen. I guess. I don't know. She also married Tom Hanks. So. No, she didn't. They didn't get married. They just dated. No, she didn't marry Tom Hanks. Oh, Tom Tom Cruise. He's got the virus. <laughs> That's why he's in Australia, I guess, visiting his ex. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what he's doing a movie about. It was something it was like some like it seemed like a biopic or something. Oh, he was in the he's doing the Elvis movie. He's That's gonna, it. Yeah, he's yeah I think he's Colonel Tom Parker. Correct. Yeah. Did you hear where they got to play uh, Elvis? No. Yahoo Sirius. <laughs> Australian. <laughs> That's the name I forgot. Oh my god, Yahoo Serious. No, I have no idea. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth is as Guardian. Yes, yes, you are correct. Um, I was going to say. Oh, yeah, so, uh, male. Here, this is... Chris Kattan. So, <laughs> Chris Kattan is from, I think, Florida? <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense. Um, That's weird. Is he from Florida? I don't know. I've only got a couple pieces here because... Uh, That's way more about Chris Kattan than I ever knew. <laughs> I'm going to have to... Uh, I'm going to have to go through uh, at some point and, um, you know, actually separate these these all out uh, and everything, but... Um, Let's see. Chris Kattan was born in. Oh, Chris Kattan was born in Culver City, California. See, he was born on the set of the Tonight Show, I think. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, let's see. First one says, uh, "Where the fuck have you been?" <laughs> That's the subject line, guys. I cannot get through a day at work without listening to you fucking idiots talk about movies and whatever you want. Where have you been? I'm going insane. Please answer me. I'm going to jump off a bridge. What? Where does it say I work at a bridge? <laughs> that signed uh, Chuck from the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh, I can see this. I, uh, I I made up the last part about the Brooklyn Bridge. What? But that is from Chuck. So uh, we're back, Mixer, Chuck. Mixergate, Chuck. We've, we've been back. Yeah. Two and should be looking into Mixergate. Yeah, I think personally. Exactly. I want to see on four chan and eight chan. I want to. I want the truth about Mixergate to come out. Oh, I thought you said you just went to eight chan for all those jokes. <laughs> Is that the one where they make all the anti-Semitic jokes, or I don't know? We went, to, me. we went to 4chan once. I've never been to 8chan. Yeah, I don't think I'd go to 8chan. It's just, I, from what I've heard, it's just all like racist stuff. What, is it, what does it even mean? Like, I don't understand. What is four- it's a type of image board that originated for around like uh, Japanese culture. Like I don't oh. know if it was anime specifically. Gotcha. But then the, uh, the one guy you know, uh, made 4chan, and I think he sold it to someone. I don't know who. Okay. Uh, interesting. This this one is titled uh, Narcos. Uh oh. <laughs> was that sent through the physical mail then? Hey guys. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> 
you started to talk about narcos <laughs> you said you were going to continue talking about narcos every once in a while you mentioned narcos but you never finished narcos where is my fucking narcos <laughs> We lied about narcos. We're not going to ever go back to that subject. Oh my god! Although I have to say, I watched uh, both seasons of Narcos Mexico. Very good show. <laughs> I, I'm, we're going to bring up Narcos every week, but never actually discuss the episodes. Yeah, if you want to know about Narcos, uh, the first part at least, uh, just read uh, "Killing Pablo" by Mark Bowden. Very good summary mm-hmm. of what happened in Narcos. Yep. Here's Very good show. I don't know why we stopped watching it, but we did. Yeah, here's the thing, guys. So it's hard. Well, I mean, it's not hard, but it's it's somewhat boring, I guess, to um, to uh, like every episode to kind of be like, you know, hey, we're gonna do like a series where we we look episode by episode. Yeah, if you don't Mark, check out our series about a show that we watch every episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, called Dumpster Diving. <laughs> No, 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 House MD. Oh, yeah, that's true. House MD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't believe us. No, I mean, yeah, doing something like separate like that where that's the focus of the whole show is fine, but I don't know. It's just like, it just seems weird to to do it uh, on the, the main show. So we... we Although tend- we are doing it with Better Call Saul currently. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna, that's what was going to be my segue. <laughs> so, in other words, we're, we're liars and we're hypocrites. Yep. Um... I have uh yeah, on Twitter we'll talk about narcos. I have something to say though. Uh Yahoo Sirius <laughs> was born in uh it was Tasmania? actually No, he's born in England actually. What the fuck? No, he was born in Cardiff, New South Wales, Australia. Oh, that's my second guess. But his his spouse his spouse that he's been married to since from 1988 to 2007. Uh, was Lulu serious? <laughs> Lulu serious? Uh, let's see. She was. Uh, uh, is that his real name? That well, that's his, no. His re- so his real name is Greg Gomez Pede. <laughs> Pede like like past tense of pissed. Yeah, P E A D. Uh, yeah, Greg Gomez Pede, uh, who is 66 years old. Three more years, my friend. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would assume, because obviously his name. Wait, wait, is this the Greg guy that listens? Oh, his name's Chuck. Never mind. <laughs> uh, his name obviously predates the internet. So I'm guessing that he took it from uh, Gulliver's Travels. That's my guess. I would love if Yahoo Sirius uh, listened to us. Yeah, that'd be great. Do uh, you think he sued Yahoo, uh, the search engine, at some point? I feel that he did. He, sh- he should have. Uh, apparently, he's also a score composer. Uh, his films include the 1988 comedy Young Einstein, which is the only one I've actually seen uh, of his. Uh, Reckless Kelly and Mr. Accident. You know what Reckless Kelly's about? No, it's about this dude. Uh, this like it's a real story um, about a guy named Ned Kelly, uh, who was an Australian who was a bank robber and they cornered him in a hotel room. So he decided that what they the best thing to do was to try to um, 
fashion a suit of armor out of what what they had there. Uh, it's in the suit of armor that he made is in the State Library of Victoria. Of course, they would celebrate uh, criminals in Australia. But what they what they left out was the legs, so they just got shot in the legs. <laughs> The cops were just like, well, we'll just shoot his legs. No, not the legs. <laughs> I was really hoping you wouldn't do that. Uh, what's funny about this Reckless Kelly 1993 movie that Yahoo Stereo is nothing probably. <laughs> it also stars Hugo Weaving. Oh, that was also someone I forgot to mention on my list. Hugo Weaving. Australian. Yes. But I wouldn't Did have he just do a disembodied voice in this movie. I wouldn't have known that. Although, oh no, actually, Hugo Weaving, not Australian, born in Abadan, Nigeria. Ah, uh, African. Damn it, I knew it. Uh, yeah, because I was gonna say I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't, um, uh, if I hadn't looked that up just now. But yeah, he's an actor in residence in Australia. I guess he lives in Australia, but he was born in Nigeria, apparently, at a teaching hospital. His parents to to Nigerian uh, to English parents. So he's the son of English parents, born in Africa and lives in Australia. <laughs> exactly, uh, a man of the world, Hugo Weaving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like Hugo Weaving, but uh, he only does voices now. I think. I wonder if he's going to be in the new Matrix movie. Yeah. What do you think about that? So I've heard some weird things about. that. I think I'm not going to go see that. Yeah, I, I think I'm not going to go see it either. But I've heard that. I've heard that it takes place in a world where the Matrix is uh, the movie, like the where the Matrix movies exist. Huh. And so that might explain how Trinity and Neo are both, uh, you know, around since they, I mean, Trinity died at spoiler alerts for a very old movie, but Trinity died and Neo kind of did sort of. Well, little I've heard though, is I heard this is a uh, prequel. Oh, interesting. But that was, you know, I, I, I have not followed or really looked into this movie at all. I'll see it at some point. I don't think I'm going to go out. Yeah, to- I probably will. I'm a, I am watched two and three both, which were not good. I mean, they had good action mm-hmm. sequences. Those, my friend Matt, uh, you know, pointed out, uh, there, in spite of the special effects budgets, there's some really bad special effects, like, a, like especially oh, yes. when uh, Neo fights all the agents, like the pole yeah. he's using, it like actually bends. So it's clearly made of rubber, not metal at one point. Yeah, there's a lot of rubber face too. <laughs> in that yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. And, and then they, the agents, especially in that scene, they're really badly done in a couple instances. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. So when, when uh, the new Matrix movie is about to come out, we should do uh, the Matrix 2 and 3 revolutions and revelation or whatever the fuck it is uh, for, uh, for our dumpster diving. Yeah, not a bad idea. Uh, but uh, anyway, something. I mean, I really, the, the first one, one of my favorite movies ever. It's it's me too. Perfect. It's an amazing, perfect movie. I remember Ben's little brother Andy went to see the that movie. Uh, you know when it came, like we all saw it when it came out, and he he was the only one that didn't really like it that much. And we asked him, we were like, "How did you? How could you not like this movie? It was great." And he said. I just didn't really, I just didn't really get it. Like I didn't understand what the matrix was or like, I didn't get it. I was like, what? (laughs) Like they sat down on a couch and explained exactly what everything was. Yes. How could it not be clear? 
Uh, so shout out to Andy for not understanding the Matrix somehow. Yeah, for being a dumb piece of shit. Lawrence Fishburne, or as uh, racist, um, uh, you know, entertainment columnists on TV would call him uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish Lawrence Fishburne was in more stuff. He, I really like him watching him as an actor. Uh, me too. I like Lawrence Fishburne a lot. But anyway, so... Uh, so I know some Lawrence uh, Fishburne trivia. Was he born in Australia? No, you know what his friends call him? <laughs> what? Larry. Oh, nice. Larry Fishman. That's your Hollywood Inside Tip of the Week. All right. So if you see Lawrence Fishburne out, call him Larry. I know you might look and then just go, I'm not even your friend. <laughs> we don't know each other. You, you know, I, I, I bet the original Matrix was responsible for a lot of like uh, people like, you know, like in their early 20s who are like, kind of on the verge of going schizophrenic. Like, uh, like it, it's a very, like, a profound experience, like, when you realize the whole thing is just, it, it's like a wow kind of moment, you know, when mm-hmm. you're like, oh, shit, he's in this computer program the whole time. Yeah. Because that's not something, you know, and, and any other movie, the, the advertising campaign for the first Matrix was brilliant because it was always, what is the Matrix? And it yeah. has, like, you know, things and, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, when you see it, it's like, oh, my God, this whole thing I'm watching is just a lie. You know, it's not like spoon fed. I mean, it is obviously at one point, but I mean, it's like it's really like one of the like really um, under, uh, you know, underappreciated reveals in a movie. I mean, a lot of you know people were like really big into M. Night Shyamalan's like twist. But that as far as a twist in a movie, that's a Janet leaving stabbed in the first third of the movie kind of twist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely. And and that's something, you know, you can't get it back once it once it happens, obviously, but that's that's something which is ironically what happens in the movie. You can never, you know, you never feel the same way again when you mm-hmm. you know take the red pill. Yeah. And that that's that's something that younger audiences a lot of times just can't really approximate, you know. And it it changed a lot of things when that came out in uh, in ninety nine. It certainly did a lot for the leather industry. <laughs> yes. But uh <laughs> It's, and it's, a mirrored glass. And I think people are still looking for those phones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But there, um, uh, there's a mental disorder named after the Truman Show. It surprises me there's not one named after the uh, the Matrix. Yeah, like believing reality is not like real. Like Even like me, like at the end, I kind of like feel the back of my head. Like, how do you know if you're not plugged into something? You never would know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just rubbed the back of my head to check. But I still wouldn't. What if, what if you felt something? <laughs> well, if if we were if we're in a matrix, uh, oh, machine overlords uh, make our show more popular. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyway, so better call Saul this week. Uh, as we always do on this show, we'll continue uh, talking through one series that we that we like episode by episode. Um, and then, right when you're really invested, we'll go to something else. <laughs> This this episode I thought was was pretty pretty interesting episode this week. Um, it starts out and I I kind of figured that we were not seeing things chronologically um, at the beginning because Saul's at this store. He's looking for something. He obviously wants to throw something somewhere, uh, and he's kind of looking for you know he's going to a, a antique shop or a, a pawn shop or something like that, looking for the right the right thing. He eventually settles on three bowling balls. Uh, and then we see him and Kim naked in bed together. 
uh, you know, but of course, is contrary to what I said last week or the week before, where they seem to have like no physical like relationship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely uh, there's definitely something going on, but it, it's the first time we've really seen kind of evidence of them, you know, being intimate. Um, but it's clearly uh, the aftermath of you know the the end of the episode where they're throwing bottles off the, bottles yep. off the balcony and everything. So when I saw, which that, is actually what I initially thought Saul was looking to do to like you know throw something heavier yeah. off the balcony. Yeah, me too. That's what I was. When I was like, that's what I said to Carol. I was like, is he looking to for something that would like you know chuck off the balcony? But then you know they we see that aftermath, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's. That's something that's going to come back later because that's not the right order chronologically of the way things are. Um, right. Hey, Mark, uh, can you hold just one second? I need to plug my computer in. Sure. Just like continue my, talking. Just like last week, should I should I put an edit point in here? Should I actually do some work? You know you won't. Oh, I almost have the YouTube. Uh, I almost have the YouTube. Uh, whatever you call it, uh, channel. I almost have the YouTube channel built. Uh, I have the video done. The video is done and ready to go. I almost have the channel built kind of the way I want it. It'll be the first video uploaded there. Um, it's a bit of us talking about the concept of um, of life in the fast lane, and then I made like uh, like a little abbreviated trailer for life in the fast lane uh, at the tail end of the video. I completely forgot about what that was. Could you please tell me again? It's the uh, the thing where. The poor guy becomes rich uh, because of an because of an angel's uh, thing or whatever you know, and um, and uh, then the Pope turns out to be uh, the devil in the uh, in the thing. I don't know. It made more sense <laughs> when we did it before, but uh, yeah. My wife and I, last week, before this coronavirus thing really started, we saw a kid running during uh, a time period when when there should be school. And my wife said, uh, what is that kid doing? Just like just running and I just running around the street. And I said, that's obviously not a kid. That's uh, that's an adult that uh, that's been made into a child because of a wish. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just tra- plugged in, by the way. And he's just training for the big meet or something. <laughs> uh but anyway so um Tom Hanks. yeah it must have been so yeah before he got coronavirus uh so yeah life in the fast lane where the pope uh the <laughs> the devil masquerading as the pope uh makes a, a poor guy into a rich guy and he, instead of you know oh like, yeah yeah i remember this now <laughs> instead of having a moral uh quandary he's just like yeah this is great oh all my troubles are gone <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so uh, I'm trying to remember what happens after that 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 opening. Um, him and and Kim talk. You know, he he kind of gives her what his schedule is for the day. You know, she's clearly unhappy about the whole Mesa Verde thing. She goes into the office, and well, first of all, she she looks at the mess they made from the night before, and she wants to clean it up. Yeah, Saul just kind of walks over it, and the clip, Kim being Kim cleans up her messes after she makes it. Yep, exactly. And Saul and Saul doesn't. Saul says, "Hey, that's what you pay your rent for, right. so they'll clean it up." He doesn't care about all the shredded tires that will be happening. Mm-hmm. So then she goes into Mesa Verde's office, and Paige and Kevin, yeah, that's them, 
uh, you know, they're talking about the call center and everything. And, and Kim says, hey, you know, we should maybe we should move the where we're going to have the call center to this the other location that we looked at. And she kind of gives reasons why she thinks it would be better to move the call center there and everything. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking, just just let it go, Kim. Like, I, I get what you're trying to do, but it's like, even if you, you convince them to switch it to this other place and, you know, and you, and you did it, the guy... Yeah, I think she does. It makes perfect sense, but uh, it's kind of a conflict of personality because Kevin is used to getting what he wants because he's like a wealthy, powerful, mm-hmm. you know, owner of many banks. And yep. Kim, you know, I mean, she realized this is really the first time like her work's really conflicted with her ideals. You know, she doesn't want the little guy to be, you know, put under when it's not even necessary. And mm-hmm. she could theoretically do something to change it. So she tries and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Kevin's like, hey, you know, are we in the wrong here? Are we doing the wrong thing? You know, legally. <laughs> he, he, he uh, you know, makes sure that he he mentions legally. Are we on the are we in the wrong legally? And she said, no, like legally, we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. And he's like, OK, well, then that's going to be there. Uh, and the guy from Northern Exposure can just fuck off. So uh, Kim doesn't like this. She goes to see jimmy in court and we get we get what uh like classic jimmy i could i could see this coming a mile away too as uh he you know he's up there he's talking about this guy robbed a 7-eleven type store or something like that and the clerk's on the stand and he's cross-examining him and he keeps pointing to the guy sitting at the desk and he's like so you can possibly identify you know uh, this guy is the guy that robbed you and everything. He's like, yep, that's him right there. You know? Yeah. And he goes, well, would it surprise you to know that's not him at all? My clients in the, uh, you know, it's quite, it's quite an interesting trick and, and you know, right. how, how you could do that. I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. He says to the judge, you couldn't even tell your honor. <laughs> it skirts. It definitely skirts the line, but obviously he gets a mistrial, which is what he wanted. Uh, but yeah, it certainly skirts the line of, you know, the judge is not happy. No. Um, so, you know, like classic, uh, you know, classic Saul stuff. And, uh, she wants to have a talk with him because she wants again. And this is, it's so, she, it's almost like she needs Saul around or someone like him to be not a lackey necessarily, but to do the dirty stuff she doesn't want to do. She wants, she it's it's like the um, the uh, whatever the consequences thing. I can't think of the phrase, but um, she wants the consequences, and she doesn't care about the mean or the 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 ends justifying the means. Yeah, exactly. She wants the ends, and and she she doesn't want to be the one to get her to get her hands dirty, but she doesn't she doesn't care if some hands get dirty. If she gets what she wants in the end, because ultimately she believes in just, you know, things being just uh, the right thing happening. Um, she doesn't like to think that the law and, and justice are not the same thing. Yeah. Though clearly Saul is the perfect embodiment of them not being the same thing at all. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's using, and that courtroom scene is a perfect indication of it. Uh, that guy probably did commit that robbery. Yeah, the fact that they look alike so similar, you know, he clearly had to get someone who looks just like him. And even mm-hmm. then, you know, I mean, because the clerk doesn't know the person, you know, personally. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's. That's really more of an indication that it is the correct guy than it's not. Right. 
technically you're you're right. He didn't he didn't point out the right person, but only because you obfuscated the truth <laughs> in order to to trick him into uh, making a mistake. It, that doesn't that's not servicing justice. That's you know maybe legally he did everything you know that he you know everything right quote unquote according to the legal system, but that's not justice. Justice isn't being served because of that. Right. Saul just uses the law to justify his own, you know, beliefs or really just to make mm. money. Though yeah. he is kind of dipping his toes into the water of the really corrupt stuff. But I mean, he is also working with, you know, Nacho and mm. uh, the Salamanca guy, the yeah. uncle, whatever his name is. Lalo. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, what are they up to this week, Mark? So um, they're they're continuing on with the uh, with the, you know, working with the DEA. We get some more Hank. And uh, Steve Gomez in this episode, which is nice. Uh, we we see Hanks, the guy. I can't. Uh, Dean Norris, I think is his name. The guy, yeah. that, the guy that plays Hank. He does a really good job of bringing it back to pre-Breaking Bad Hank, because obviously Hank's you know character goes through a bit of you know quite a bit of an arc uh, during Breaking Bad, and he really has the like. You know, he's competent, but he's also, you know, macho and, and a little bit like silly and dumb. Um, and and he's definitely brought that that energy back to it. But they're still working with the feds on those uh, those dead drops. Uh, uh, Gus Fring is obviously not happy about this stuff uh, because, you know, his money is going to get taken. But he doesn't want his guys getting arrested. And that's the. Uh, that's the big thing. So they kind of go through. They they follow these uh, the guys doing the dead drop. Uh, they get the one guy, but they're I mean that you know they're onto the one guy, but obviously they're prepared for it. He uh, you know he speeds off and then he stops, runs out, gets into a storm drain, and then somebody's waiting for him on the other side. It's funny because you get a sense that like Steve Gomez and the rest of them, they're like, Hey, you know, we got all this money. That's great. You get a little bit of a sense from, from, um, Hank that it's weird that he knew exactly where to go <laughs> exactly. And then, and then he had somebody waiting almost as if they knew they were going to be tailed. Like, like all this was set up, like he doesn't articulate it, but you can kind of see in his face. Like he's like, we didn't make any arrests. This just doesn't feel, you know, great. Uh, you know, Steve Cummins yeah. is like, hey, we got all this money and then, you know, we're going to uh, put the crazy eight out on the street and who knows, you know, what, what he'll scare up for us. Yeah, like like we see in Breaking Bad, Hank, you know, underneath all the bravado is a very capable, intelligent mm-hmm. investigator who, you know, doesn't let like, you know, stray ends, uh, you know, just go without being resolved in some way. Yeah. And during this whole sequence, uh, we actually see a really uh, interesting thing about Gus's character. He's at the restaurant. Um the manager uh, lets, you know, the manager's like some teen, teenage kid. I think he says he's like 16 or 17. He mm-hmm. lets, you know, the rest of the crew go. And then, then Gus says, hey, uh, do you think, uh, you know, the grill's clean enough? And he's like, he's, he's torturing this kid. But really, he's just being very intelligent because he has a perfect alibi now. Because, you know, if anybody asked him what he was doing, he's like, oh, I was here waiting for this numbskull to properly clean the grill. And the kid mm-hmm. just does, like, the best job he can. And Gus, like, just just gives him like this cold distant look. He's just, you kind of get the sense that uh, uh, Gus is releasing a little bit of the pent up anger and, you know, hatred he has on this kid and like mm. getting a little bit of pleasure out of it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a perfect Gus moment because like you said, it fulfills 
so many needs at the same time. He needs to vent some of this frustration over what, what's going on. So he takes a lot of it out on this kid. He needs an alibi. Uh, this provides that, you know, it's also, uh, you know, it also yeah, very accepting his uh, yeah. character trait of his. He's definitely, you know, I mean, he, he probably doesn't actually think the kid did do. I mean, it's 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 suitable, but Gus doesn't want suitable. He wants perfection. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and, and his exacting standards have led to him actually probably being able to make as much from this chicken empire than meth, you know, but he just still does the meth the whole thing. Right. So, yeah, so it, it, it's another perfect scene with with, uh, with Gus. And the way they write that character, especially, I mean, the whole show, but the way they write that character, especially, I think is uh, is just spot on. Uh, and it's it's a testament to them taking the, you know, taking the character and their, the character's traits, the character's personality. And instead of, you know, we want the plot to do this, we want the plot to do that, they they shape the plot around the characters kind of like, like it happens in real life. Uh, sure. and, and that's, I think that makes a big difference in the show. Yeah. And as you said before, that has happened on the show as well, because they were initially going to get rid of Aaron Paul in the first season, mm-hmm. but they just like this character so much. They just changed the entire thing. Same with Gus initially, like you said, mm-hmm. because um, the guy played uh, the name. We always forget Tuco. Like he was, you know, had something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and they also do it. Uh, we're actually going to talk about this in our next episode. Uh, uh, Dean Norris actually wanted to quit Breaking Bad before he, you know, before he was destined to be killed on it because he had another pilot. But Vince Gilligan wouldn't release him from the contract because the character had become so important that they needed him, and obviously they did because wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then, uh, and and so while Jimmy's out and about, he runs into Howard from H and M. And yeah. Howard, Howard is Howard really has some, he he lo- he loves uh, Jimmy or Saul, whatever you want to call him these mm. days. Um, he basically says he goes, you know, you your brother, yeah, was a genius. You know, he was great at knowing the ins and outs of the law. But you're a hustler, and that's what we need. I mean, we need somebody who will you know drum up business, who will you know go out and get cases like you did with uh, the Piper Sands thing. So mm. you know. He, he basically like he harasses them until he agrees to meet him, you know, for dinner. And then at this, he extends him the offer of a job. And Jimmy's like, "Well, I'm going to have to think about this, you know, and I'll get back to you." Yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting scene because, uh, you know, obviously Howard always liked Jimmy. Uh, you know, called him Charlie Hustle. He he brings that back, calls him Charlie Hustle. Uh, you know, here as well. And it was really Chuck that was holding things up. You know, Howard wanted to uh, offer him a job when when Jimmy graduated from from law school. Uh, and, you know, Howard, in in deference to Chuck, probably, you know, um, was the one that was the bearer of bad news, both when, you know, he said, hey, you know, we're not going to offer you a job here. And, you know, and pretty much everything else. Uh, as far as, you know, like Jimmy's interactions with Chuck went. Uh, and now he now that Chuck's gone, he wants to he wants to offer him a job. He's not obviously he's not offering him a partnership like, uh, you know, like his brother had. But, um, you know, he's like, hey, your name's on the uh, your name's on the building, too. You know, it's your legacy. It's it's, you know, what you deserve. And Howard wants a lot like him um in certain ways howard wants to use uh you know jimmy or or saul or whatever you want to call him um to to get what he wants that's going to do the dirty work for him yeah exactly and jimmy obviously rejects that to the point where he and then resents it because he he doesn't want to be thought of as this sleazy guy yeah even though he will do it if he Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he he's 
he still wants to he wants to be considered the best. He doesn't want to be a cog in HHM. He wants people to look at him and say, you know, hey, there's the the best lawyer in Albuquerque or, or whatever. Yeah, it's very or the most effective at the very least. Yeah, it's very similar to Walter White in uh, Breaking Bad in that, mm-hmm. you know, he's not content just being successful. He wants to be successful on his own terms. Yeah. And he wants, you know, if, if Howard had said, you know what, you're a brilliant attorney, you're, you're bright, you know, all this stuff, you know, maybe he would, you know, if he didn't mention that he just is really good at hustling, maybe he would have taken the job. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. But he, uh, so he takes those bowling balls that we saw him buy and uh, hucks them over the privacy gate of Howard's house and uh, destroys his car, which, uh, you know, has namaste on the, uh, the license plate, yeah. which is funny because... Uh, I believe I'm, I didn't look this up, so I'm not sure, but I believe namaste basically means like I bow to the to what is eternal in you or whatever. Basically, to- I'm, I'm not sure. I know it's a yoga thing. It's also the title of the episode, but yeah, I'm not really sure. But yeah, it's kind of uh... so I, I think a lot of it is kind of about like our inner selves, you know, and it's like he's Howard's like. I think the title of the episode, the fact that it's his license plate, I think basically what it's saying is Howard saying like, I see the real you in there. Like I see what's, what's really you. And, and, um, you know, Saul doesn't like what Howard thinks the real him is, you know, not, uh, this brilliant mind like Chuck or anything like that. Cause he basically, he said basically like he always wanted to be Chuck and basically Howard's like, look, you're not Chuck, but I don't need another Chuck. What I need is you, you know, what I need is somebody right. like you. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, the biggest resentment of it. So, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I could spend some more time thinking about it, but I think that's, uh, I don't know, I think that's a decent theory as far as what the, the episode sure. title means. Yeah, and Mike, uh, this episode, uh, goes by the same uh, people that he, uh, you know, got into a fight with earlier. Yes. He's just looking for abuse or a fight or something. Yep. And uh, this time it doesn't go as well for him. No, they, they decide which I don't know why they didn't do the first time, they decide, hey, if, if all of us start beating him up at once, that might work out better. And it yeah, does. It never seems to occur to criminals in anything other than this, you know, that's like always like the action hero fighting one guy at a time, unless you're Jackie Chan. But right. yeah, it's, uh, they, uh, they, they, they put him in the hospital. Yeah, well, he wakes, up, he wakes up, and this is kind of how the episode ends. He wakes up, it looks like he's in Mexico, maybe? Or yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. He's, because he's, He's just like in a house uh, after having been stabbed. And yeah, I think Mike, I think Mike's trying to get killed. Like, I think Mike's got a lot of guilt and, and everything. Obviously, I think he's just trying to get killed. Do you think Mike is actually in Mexico or is this a sort of like some weird dream sequence? I mean, is, do you think this show would give us a, a weird, I mean, dream type, you know, sequence? <sighs> I, I mean, it's possible. I kind of feel that would be, it seems like it would be beneath them. Yeah. But I think he probably is. It might not be Mexico. It might just be like uh, kind of like, you know, obviously way outside of town, but it might be in like if they still might be in New Mexico. Yeah. Or like at the site of the super lab or something. We don't know. Yeah, it could be. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I think somehow uh, Gus got wind of it or something. I think he intervened or maybe he even had... probably Gus is probably having a guy trailing him yeah, the whole time. That's what I was thinking is like he probably had somebody follow him. And, he's too uh, careful to let this guy, he was like his right-hand man, who suddenly doesn't want anything to do with him, just go out on his own devices. Right. Especially since he's a police officer. Gus, for sure, would have researched that, you know. So he mm-hmm. probably does have a guy kind of... For all we know, those those gangsters were probably all killed. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And I, I, I feel like next episode there's going to be a conversation between Gus and and Mike, where Gus is basically just like, "Look, you know, you need to, you need to stop uh, this self-destructive behavior." You know, however Gus is going to put it, but I'm sure it'll appeal to the logic that, hey, this is a, a criminal business, but you could still, you know, make it just, or you could, you know, find a role in here that will satisfy your needs without, you know. Make, you don't have to be murdering people constantly, though he does do so later in Breaking Bad. Right. Another important thing at the end of this episode uh, is uh, we see Jimmy slash Saul and Kim hatching up some kind of scheme. Mm-hmm. Not really going into detail, but what it is is Saul ends up going to uh, the Northern Exposure guy's house. Yeah. He does like, keeps his foot in the door thing, and he, he's trying to sign up as a client. You, you, you probably understand what they're trying to do here, right? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it appears, and also from the preview I saw from next week, it's obvious that uh, they're trying to create a conflict of interest to get Kim, you know, where she can't, mm-hmm. at least in this very particular matter, she can't have anything to do with it because, you know, obviously the defendant always gets to pick who their person is over the uh, the plaintiff. Yeah. Yeah, so she won't be able to handle it, which is, you know, going to be good for her. And, you know, she trusts Jimmy to, to maybe get some some justice for this guy as well. Um, I think it's what funny. he's actually going to do is probably going to be way beyond what you want him to do. Oh yeah, Barbie. yeah, exactly. Um, but I, what, can, I can see it as something causing him to have a rift at the end of the season. But what's funny is he he shows him a picture. We don't get to see obviously because of you know uh, uh, you know uh, guideline reasons. But he sets a picture of a man fucking a horse, <laughs> and he says, "Jimmy says I'm the man." And uh, Mesa Verde's the horse. I hate. Right. I hate those guys. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's our episode for this week. Uh, as we mentioned before, you do know where to find us. Yeah, find us where you want to find us. Write us. Uh, you know, emails and and all that stuff. We appreciate your your support. If you do want to do something to help out the show, uh, tell some friends about it. Tell friends. You know where where they can find us and uh, help us increase our listenership. But uh, until next week, we will see you later. Bye. See you next time.